Well, hey there, my name is Eric Gray, and I'm the Young Adult and Family Minister here at the Regency Church of Christ. I just want to take a minute and say thank you for checking out this message. If you're ever in the Mobile area, we'd love for you to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. And to find out more information about Regency or to listen to other messages from this series, we'd love for you to check out our website at regencycc.org. And we're praying that this message will help you grow closer to Jesus. So as we continue our series on on the road to to Bethlehem, the story of the wise men is an intriguing one, and it presents questions that we cannot answer with certainty. Where did they come from? Well, we do not know for sure. Scripture tells us that they were from the east. How many were there? We do not know that for sure. How do they know to follow the star? We're not told. But the account here in Matthew chapter 2 does not give us many details, but tradition certainly has had a heyday. Tradition says there were three in number based upon the fact that they presented Jesus with three gifts, that they traveled on camels across the desert, Tradition even gives their names as Caspar, Melchior, and Balthasar. So in case you didn't know their names, now you do. Well, this morning I want us to focus on Matthew 2, verses 1 to 12, and see what Scripture tells us of the visit of the wise men. You heard read verses 1 to 6. And let's read the rest of the account here in Matthew chapter 2, beginning at verse 7. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and when you have found him, report to me, so that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. Three reactions to Jesus here. Herod, the reaction of hostility. Herod opposed any rival to his kingship. He is a clear example that evil is real that it is part of our world. Herod was insanely suspicious, especially as he grew older. If he suspected anyone as a rival to his power, that person would be eliminated. He murdered his wife, Mary Omni, and her mother, Alexandra. He murdered his eldest son, Antipater, and two other sons, Alexander and Aristobulus, because he feared that they were trying to take over his power. 
That tells us something about Herod the Great here, who was ruler in this area when Jesus was born. Now, Herod says, you come back and tell me and I can go worship him. No, that was not his intention. And then the reaction of the chief priests and the scribes, I would say it was one of indifference. They knew where he was to be born, but demonstrated no desire to go with the wise men to see the Messiah, the one true king of kings. And then the wise men, the reaction of adoring worship. They went to great lengths to worship Jesus. I don't know how far they came, but they probably came a long way. But when they saw him, the scripture says they fell to the ground and worshiped him. And so my question here is, what about our diligence? Number one, to find Christ. The wise men were wise because they passionately sought after Jesus. Again, as I mentioned, having traveled a very long distance to come and to see the newborn one. Now, he was a little bit older at the time the wise men arrived, but their passionate desire to find Christ. Number two, their diligence to worship him. Now, Matthew tells us that when they came into the house where the child was, they fell to the ground and worshiped him. What about our diligence to worship him? Worship, may I remind us, number one, is an opportunity to encounter God. Worship is really about God. It's not so much about us, but it's about our opportunity to encounter the one true and living God and pour out our praise and adoration for him. And that's why we need to have that diligent desire to come whenever we can to worship him. But worship is also an opportunity for believers to be edified, to be built up. And our prayer is that when we come together, that we are edified, that we are strengthened, that we are encouraged as we go out there and try to live the Christian life on an everyday basis. But worship also provides an opportunity to engage the seeker. This may be an opportunity that we can engage one who is trying to find that relationship with God and with his son, Jesus Christ. And sometimes our worship may provide that opportunity. Just as we talked about this morning, our life groups may provide that opportunity for us to engage the seeker. And so what about our diligence to worship him? And then what about our diligence to serve him? Two primary symbols of the Christian faith. The cross of sacrifice and the towel of service. Our willingness to sacrifice, our willingness to serve. Do we have that diligence to serve him in every possible way. And my prayer is that we all will diligently strive to find him, to worship him, and to serve him. 
Three lessons. What do you seek? Let's be wise like these wise men and passionately seek after Jesus. Psalm 42. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Psalm 63, O God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Are we really seeking God in those ways? As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. You are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you. I'll have to be honest with you this morning. There are some times when I don't feel like I have that kind of passionate desire to seek after Jesus and to seek after God. I will seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. So where do you seek? That's an important thing for all of us to keep in mind. Number two, where are you looking? Sometimes we look in all the wrong places. But I want to suggest that we look up and depend upon the one who declares or who desires that relationship with you. You've heard that that old saying, when the outlook is bleak, try the up look. Where are you looking? Are you looking up on a regular, consistent basis to the one who is the creator and sustainer of all things? I would suggest that you also look around and pray that God will open up some doors of opportunity for you. And I think that's important for all of us to always be looking around, being aware and asking God for those opportunities to share his word and to serve someone in his name. But sometimes we've got to look within and do some honest self-examination of our lives. That's not always easy, but I think that is something important for all of us to do. So we can look up. We can look around. And we can look within. And then what are you willing to give? One survey suggested that we are passionate about four things. About people. About pursuits. About pay. And about play. Now, nothing wrong with with those things as far as having something passionate about about people, about pursuits, about our pay, about our, our play. 
But we just do not want to be overly passionate about those things and forget what is our true passion in life. If I were to ask you this morning, what was Jesus passionate about? Think about that. What would you, how would you respond? Well, I think number one, he was passionate about the will of God. John chapter four, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. John six, verse 38, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. I think those verses indicate to me that Jesus was certainly passionate about doing the will of God. We see that throughout his life. We see that at the end of his life, don't we? Father, if it's possible. And I've sometimes tried to step back And imagine God, the Heavenly Father, hearing that passionate prayer of His Son. Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but Your will be done. Let's be passionate about doing God's will. Let's even have that attitude that my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. But I think Jesus was also passionate about people. And I think we certainly see that illustrated throughout his ministry, his care, his willingness to do whatever he could to help people, to serve people, to bless people, to heal people. I mean, he was all about People, And when he would see those crowds of people who were restless and, and, and hurting, then he would just move with compassion. And I think we need to have that kind of compassion as well. So he was passionate about the will of God, and I think he was passionate about people. And so let me encourage you to give time to your family. Give compassion to the hurting. Give forgiveness. And above all, Give your life to Christ. If this is good news, and it is good news, isn't it? Number one, why don't we smile? God, in the person of his son, came to the earth, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, raised the third day, sitting now at God's right hand. That is good news of great joy to all the world, and that should bring a smile to all of our faces. And then if it's good news, why don't we share? If the name of the Savior is precious to you, if his care has been constant and tender and true, if the light of his presence has brightened your way, or will you not tell of your gladness today? If it's good news, let's smile and let's share.
Let's be like the wise men and passionately seek after Jesus to know him, to worship him, to serve him, and to obey him. They were wise men, not in the way the world thinks, but they were wise because they were willing to follow wherever God led. They worshiped Christ, they gave their gifts, and they went home a different way, didn't they? And when one gives his or her life to Christ, it may involve a change of direction. It may mean that we are now going to have to go a different way. Of course, the wise men were warned in a dream not to return the way they came, and they went home a different way. But I think when one encounters the living Christ, when one is willing to give his or her life to Christ, that may involve some change, a change of direction, a change in the way in which we are are traveling. Do Do you need to make that decision to follow Christ? If you're here this morning and you need to respond through faith, repentance, and baptism, I hope that you'll make that decision. That's how it begins. That's where it starts. And if you need to make that decision this morning, I pray that you will will do that. If you have a desire to come and rededicate your life to to the Lord, that maybe you've gotten off course and, and you desire the prayers of your brothers and sisters in Christ here at the Regency Congregation, I hope that you'll come and let us pray with you and let us let us pray for you. But wise men and women are still earnestly seeking after Jesus Christ today. Let's walk that way of the wise men. If you need to respond, please do so right now as we stand together and sing.